0: Let's finish it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. Dave is across from me, and we have a special guest, the wonderful Adam Jansen. How can I throw ninety-five miles an
1: hour? Um very difficult it's uh, it's a very complex uh, I wanna, process. I want to do it tomorrow you just jumped right into it I'm to the guy it. for you I'm not the guy for you we can, uh, <laughs> can pass you're you telling on to me I, you
0: don't have the magic pill where I can just literally I want it to be like um what's that movie it's a, I think it's a Justin Timberlake movie where they take a pill and then they end up becoming like superhumans Okay. Is, that, is that Justin Timberlake? No. Or?
2: Are you talking about the one where was it Bradley Cooper took the pill and he was really smart?
0: Yes, that's what I want. But I want to throw a hundred miles per
2: hour, not ninety-five. That's a good. I'm thing. not the guy for you. <laughs> <We can. laughs> I wish it were that
0: easy, but uh, guys, um, it's not. we have Adam Jansen <laughs> with us. Um, Ace pitching performance or baseball academy?
1: Ace baseball development. I, I I hear for three.
0: 0 for three. He's uh, my like. I've you. So whenever we started, <laughs> I've known you forever since you were like
1: a little guy, and now I,
0: I, I'm just done.
1: <laughs> um, it was Ace Pitching Academy uh, back whenever we first started. Um, we also started taking on more uh, position guys, catchers, infielders. Okay. So I thought it was only right to uh, change it to, um, you know, Ace Baseball Development.
0: I want to, I want to get into the whole. Uh, pitching development side of things when it comes to velocity. Obviously that's a huge topic. We've brought on, um, a doctor, an orthopedic. Um, I'm, we're going to be bringing on a chiropractor here shortly with you. Um, and that's going to be on the tiger interview series. Um, and then also I'm actually going to bring on another doctor who does PRP and STEM. I'm just trying to get every aspect mm-hmm. of the arm just because it's a huge topic. Um, a lot of people don't have solid information when it comes to pitching. And I think just having expert advice, because I only know so much. There's a
2: lot out there.
0: All I knew is I went... A lot of information. All I knew, is, a I went, a all I knew <laughs> is I wanted to crush home runs off these guys. <laughs> and that's all I wanted to do. my pitching career ended in high school. So um, what? first off, what do you think of this whole... All these no-hitters being thrown?
1: Um, it's unbelievable. I mean, obviously. Um, do you
0: think it has to deal with the arms, or do you think it has to deal with like the hitting philosophy?
1: I think both. Um, I will be the first one to tell you I don't know much about hitting. Um, I don't necessarily like hitters, <laughs> but um, I think it's both. I think the game has evolved so much where there's uh, metrics for everything, there's data for everything. Um, you know, scouting reports are a big, a big thing as they always were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so much out there, uh, so much information to gather on players these days. So the pitchers know the hitters, hitters know the pitchers. Um, pitchers are obviously, I think, winning in the grand scheme of things right now. Um, it is hard to be a hitter, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of unbelievable, but like knowing where the game has gone, it's not really surprising.
0: The f- I think it has to do to like the philosophy of hitters. Because I'm thinking like how many times has a pitcher been in a pressure situation, like a major pressure situation this year? where and then constantly they have like two or three of them throughout the game. It seems like there's only like maybe one. Right. If that? Right. And then like I'm thinking to myself if I have the ball and there's nobody on base and these guys are just trying to hit home runs. If he gets me, that's a one run shot. We we come back and then we put up another two runs. I'm in a good spot. There's not a lot of pressure baseball being put on these guys like ru- like runners. Jason Grilley set had it with Tim Jones yeah. in one of his interviews where Jason was like this is this is bashball. It's not baseball. Yeah. Bashball. Mm-hmm. Let's see how far we can hit home runs and um, hit doubles. Like, cause that's what gets butts in the seats. Well, I mean,
2: that's what also gets you paid. That's true. I mean, you hit right. three hundred and hit five home runs and hit sixty RBIs. You're in the minor leagues, right? <laughs> you're not. You're not getting paid. But you hit thirty-eight home runs and bat two forty. You're you're a multimillionaire.
0: Well, even the college game is moving to that route. Oh, like, mm-hmm. it's getting into. Because we have the metal metal in our hands, yeah. so let's see how many home runs we can absolutely hit. It feels like it's going back to like the '80s. Oh, it's like uh, going in cycles. hundred percent.
2: Right. Well, I think it has to do a lot, and I'm sure we'll get into this topic today without without diving too much into it now. But I mean, you know, you have a you train high school guys like we do, and I mean, just look at the trickle down effect of it. Major leaguers are throwing 96 to 100 with movement, and then they're tunneling pitches off those pitches, and that that are breaking you know 20 feet before they get to the plate at 88. I mean, like, if you're a hitter in the major leagues, if you're not guessing zones, I don't know how you hit That's anymore. I, I just don't know how you do it. So,
0: well, I mean, tunneling is just
2: hmm. crazy. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, if you can't see – You uh, can't see it. So Nick Petrie, who p- pitched for us at Missouri State, he could tunnel in three different arm angles. and He was, he was doing that before he was mentioning tunneling. Yeah, but he right. could do it from three-quarters yeah. side and then down, down super below. Just like, how do you hit that? Yeah. When, it's insane when you have a movement that goes in towards your <clears> hands, <throat> and then a movement that goes outside your it's hands. Insane. Do you it's think they're going to move the mound back?
1: I sure hope not. I hope not. I, I hope not. I don't think that would be. <laughs> I'm all for changing the game, but uh, there, there's some
2: stuff I don't think you need to touch. I mm-hmm. think that foot would make a world of difference. I think you'd see more arm injuries. I think you'd see, um, you'd see there there'd be more issues, and I think you'd see successes out of that, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it all comes in cycles. Headers will catch up and then pitchers will have to readjust and right. It's just, a, it's just a game of cycles. And mm-hmm. I mean, now I think we said it in a podcast, maybe two or three ago that this is probably the most exciting baseball version that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to see power arms with nasty stuff? And don't you want to see guys getting up there like Ronald Acuna, who's, who's dropping 480 foot tanks off 98 mile per hour fastballs. I mean, it's, it, I think it's in a great spot.
0: Well, I've been a very horrible podcast host. We have not even given yeah. Adam a let's chance have, to, to talk about it. <laughs> the listener on the other end's like, well, that's great that this guy does. I know he does pitching. <clears throat> he has this uh, company called Ace. Whoa, what else? What else is, what's his <laughs> backstory? Into the game of then, All yeah. right. <laughs> Adam, give me, give me like an elevator pitch. Give me your origin story and
1: um, tell tell the people what you do. I guess going back to my uh, playing days, I went to uh, Pacific High School. I played for Jeff Reed, who's still there. Um, uh, one of the better coaches I've ever played for. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, then went on to uh, Forest Park back when they had a, a team, and then I went to Xavier. Um, I was there for two years, 2002, 2003. After that, um, I got to play in the the Frontier League with the Gateway Grizzlies um, in 03. Um Pitched fairly well. Um, got myself into Cardinals spring training, uh, single-A spring training um, in 04. Um Probably three years, up to five years prior to that, I battled arm injuries. Um, mm-hmm. um, as a kid, I was the kid that uh, threw really hard at a young age. Didn't really use my, my lower half, uh, nor did I know how. Mm-hmm. Um, caught up to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I probably got into spring training fairly banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, went through about three weeks of spring training, got released. Uh, velocity was down. Obviously, the shoulder was kind of bothering me a little bit. Um, and then, um, actually, I was at a, another Frontier League game after I had my surgery and saw um, Aaron Jaworski, obviously owner of the Tigers and mm-hmm. Balls and Strikes. He gave me my first baseball job uh, working baseball camps, Balls and Strikes camps, mm-hmm. which led to lessons. Um, basically from 2004 to 2015, mostly private lessons, half-an-hour lessons, uh, where you saw kids uh, once a week. Mm-hmm. some group stuff, um, again, also baseball camps. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I got into this business.
0: So you, did you have your own baseball camps? No. So you just, you did the balls and strikes. I camps.
1: strictly was a, uh, contract instructor, um, at balls and strikes, uh, worked full time for, I think roughly three, four years. Um, uh, kind of split my time at the balls and strikes, ball one, uh, balls and strikes O'Fallon, And then, um, yeah, I kind of broke back off to being a, a, uh, a contract instructor again. Um, and then in 2016, uh, we uh, created ACE. I think the biggest reason was, um, again, back then, it was mostly that private lesson model. Yeah. See a kid for an hour. That half was the only hour, thing. That was, was the, the only, only thing around. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, which had worked. It you know was very valuable. Um, at the same time, um, I think some customers almost uh, tried to rely on coming once a week for that half an hour, thinking mm-hmm. that might. Kind of fix all the problems, Mm -hmm. which, you know, as we know, doesn't really work. you Mm got to take it home with you. you got to practice it. So us starting ACE, um, the uh, biggest reason was uh, try to create small groups. Again, I was a private lesson guy. Uh, Really enjoyed having a kid Mm one-on-one. So me going to uh, small groups, um, it was a big change. Um, You almost feel like you're not giving the uh, kids enough attention when there's more of them in front of you. Mm -hmm. However, we went to a model where um, each session they were in, uh was an hour session. We saw most kids up to three times a week. So what that meant was more quality reps, more information we could give them. Um, us actually starting in October going through February, that allowed us to help build those guys up for high school trials. Mm-hmm. Whereas, again, private lessons, I mean, that, that was the model. I mean, yep. it was going great. Everyone did them. It's just I wasn't convinced
2: that that was the best way to go about uh, helping pitchers develop. Yeah, how long had you been thinking about doing that? Like, obviously, you'd but you'd <clears> seen, and I don't. I don't want to call it an issue. Like, I don't want to sit here and bash private lessons because right. I think there's a certain value to without them. a doubt. I mm-hmm. think that you know, for some people, that's that's a great model, and there's some yeah. good information and value. And like you said, if you take mm-hmm. that information and run with it, they'll help. That's the biggest and thing. They will help. Yep. Um, but obviously, you you were sitting here having done this the amount of years that you've done. You mm-hmm. know, coach pitching. You, you had to see some issues in the overall development of players, and especially for the guys that you currently train now, which I would label as probably guys who just have more time and want to put more time and learn more about the aspect of pitching at a younger age. Definitely. What would you see? What, what was bothering you out there? Just, you know, uh,
1: seeing kids come back the following week, uh, sometimes in the same condition that you left them in. Uh, like you said, I, I truly believe in private lessons. I used to always tell my clients that, you know, basically – uh, come to us to get your homework. I mean, it's what you take from us—the knowledge—but you have to do it mm-hmm. back home at practice. Um, you know, it has to be almost a a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, I I truly do believe in private lessons. Um, it's a lot easier when you demand, you know, kids coming in two or three times a week. Yep. But also still getting work in outside of there too. I tell these guys, I mean, if you do it the right way, um, you can throw a baseball seven days a week. Mm-hmm. as long as you have your intensities matched up. It's not a high intensity every day. Um, you're not pitching every single day. Um, there is a way to make that work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been the uh, biggest benefit to our company is um, trying to basically create that culture of you got to get out there and do it. Hold yourself yep. accountable. It's on you. Ask as many questions as you want, but just get out and put in as many quality reps as you can.
0: Well, the, the business model yeah. feels like there's, there's two types, right? You have your private lessons and then you have your group training. I think customers there's a there's a huge market out there. I think each each customer has to figure out what works for them. Right. And also I think think about it as tools. You have group training which is a tool and then you have lessons that are that's a tool. One-on-one instruction versus being in a group. One-on-one is kind of like going mm-hmm. to a private tutor mm-hmm. and getting some things figured out and then you're on your merry way, right? Mm -hmm. Where I feel like group training is always a consistent overall, we're going to just make this a lifestyle. right? Which again, Fitz Morris was on our podcast twice. Um, He he has that saying, like it's a lifestyle. You have to continually operate and do the things inside of that lifestyle and you're going to find those results, which I find extremely um, important for an athlete. Like again, whether you are... Um, an athlete that plays multiple sports, or you want to say, "Hey, baseball's my thing," which is where we're going to go down this route with like more specifics, like high school versus youth, and trying to really figure it out. But uh, before we jump into into that, um, what what is what are, what are the principles that you go by when it comes to ACE and going into like the, like the business aspect?
1: Our biggest principles is, I mean, it's basically. Um, Everyone has their own needs. Um, Even though many of these kids share the same movement patterns, uh, same work ethic, um, there are things inside of each one of those that make each kid different. So um, our core principles, I mean, like a big thing is I want all of us to listen. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up in teaching so much that we're telling the kids what they should be doing. We want to also listen to their needs, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's goals. So Every offseason, I have our guys fill out a, a questionnaire and and basically rank in order what they're trying to get out of the program. Obviously, the number one thing is always game veto, which it don't <laughs> Isn't that get me funny wrong. how that's always number one? It, it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> Do you think
0: it's because like when they're at the field and Johnny, who throws – let's just say he's 14 years old and throws 83, and then everyone's like, oh, I really love Johnny when he pitches because – he throws that fastball oh. super fast. Yeah.
2: They equate Velo as the best
1: pitcher. Without a doubt. Yeah. And some of those guys don't throw many strikes. Yeah. But that's <laughs> their yeah. best guy. But
2: but that's the guy, That's right? their best guy. That's the
0: dude. Right. I think we're just innately yeah. – um, humans are attracted to speed. Yeah. Think well, about cars.
2: Speed, yeah. power. Anything, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the guy who hits – one home run on the in the season is the best player even though he just hit two fifty. <laughs> oh yeah right. also one four ten shot. Don't you remember? Right. Right. So we
1: you know we we do pride ourselves on listening to the client because they'll tell us a lot. Um and then obviously you're creating that, that program that best fits them. Which that that's something else too is, you know, what best fits them is always changing. Um yeah. it's not as easy as, hey, let's get you in, uh get you assessed. Here's your program. You know our biggest thing is, I think we have a, a pretty good feel on uh, when to call an audible. Yeah. Meaning you, know, you have to hand them a program. They have to have structure, but there comes a time where you need to change that program. Either that drill is too advanced, it might be too easy, so we have to jump in and call the audible. Whereas if we just hand them a program, it's great to be on a program, without a doubt. But it's also it can also hurt you because if you, aren't, you know, if you aren't changing with your needs,
2: what are you really doing? I think you that's, know. I think that's what you guys have done really, really well over the past five years is, is that you've given, obviously structure is important, right? And having an initial structure, I, I think that I've found that most young athletes really don't even have an understanding of their path, right? So they don't know the structure that they're going on. But then where I think some programs go wrong, where I think your program goes right is after that structure is given. Then there's so much uniqueness to their individual structures right. that you guys give, because every dude is different.
1: Oh, and they, and they change daily. yeah, you know they they won't move the same way back to back days very often, right? So you have to jump in and kind of you know, because we want these guys independently following their own program because yeah. we have to teach them, you know accountability, you know, they have to know this. so when spring baseball starts or we're not there very often, they have a plan. Mm-hmm. But we also have to jump in. like I think, you know, some of the best coaching we do is watching from afar mm-hmm. and then basically not talking or talking when we need to talk because mm-hmm. we don't want to be a crush. We don't want to, you know, hold their hand. But at the same time, uh, some of these kids need more attention. Yep. You do have to jump in because if they're doing something the wrong way, which is very, very common, it's normal. We have to jump in to kind of make that correction without, you know, again, becoming a crush.
0: Mm-hmm. You know you know what I think it is um, that – programs struggle with this is it's, it's the business model. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to figure out how can I do more volume, but also not lose the product itself or the service, Mm -hmm. because you only have so much time in a day. I struggle with that every day. Yeah. And I think that's where Mm -hmm. like the customer kind of gets hurt because you don't know whether that program or that business is trying to produce a lot of volume, Mm -hmm. or if they're trying to produce a quality product. And I think from teaching, from a teaching standpoint, it's, it's extremely hard, and because you, you only have like again, kids get off at what three o'clock on a school day. Mm-hmm. Most kids can get to us around four thirty-five, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. So then you literally have a time frame from five to, let's say nine. Mm-hmm. That that's literally the time frame. That's all you got, right? Where a lot of a lot of guys will just be like, "All right, here's the program. All right, next guy. Here's the program. Next guy. Here here's the program. Without next a guy. doubt."
1: without a doubt because we do um the reality is we do have these kids for about an hour because mm-hmm. then all these kids also go lift afterwards too so they're in there for two hours you have homework uh, most of these kids play a, you know a more than one sport um, so it's very very i'm not gonna lie it's very very fatiguing you know uh, keeping up with all the kids but but i think we do a, a great job with um, especially in season so uh, now that kids um, have played all spring uh, summer baseball is about to start. When they come into us, uh, we have them check in, mm-hmm. basically telling us what they've done outside of the program. Let's say the previous two days, three days. That way, they're not doing double. You know, um, I don't want kids who throw practice all day to then come to us right afterwards and then throw double. Um, they also tell us basically you know, how they feel, scale from one to five. Five, the arm feels great. One. It's not, it's not feeling too good. Mm-hmm. So we actually have them check in because we want as much information as possible. Because I always tell our guys, like, we really don't know what's walking through that door every day, how much sleep they had, if they're eating right, what they really did throwing. Because I think some kids can be good at telling us what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors that we can't control, but we try to get as much information as possible. That way, that particular day, we set them up with the right workout. You need to the go on the What's
0: that? <laughs> you need to give him a whoop
1: strap. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> I mean, do you, know but, what, do you know what whoop is? No idea. Oh, my God. So they no say that
2: they are doing that now. So, like, well, well, do you want to explain what whoop is? Yeah.
0: So for, for listeners that don't know and Adam, yeah. whoop is a company that gives you a bracelet. And okay. that bracelet measures everything that could possibly go on for your body athletic
2: sleep time, sleep quality, how much nice. REM sleep you got. Then it takes into like consideration when you woke up, how active you were throughout the day. And then it gives you like a recovery rating and right. how stress and you so can, like,
0: and you can list like if you're stressed
2: or anything like that. Yeah. And, and how do you spell that? W H O O P. Yes. And there's
0: ma- there's, ma- there's there's different that, whoop is not the only yeah. company. There's, there's, there's
2: like, one. so for example, one of our former players, Eric Miller's in the Phillies and you Yep. one day he came in over the off season. He was wearing a, uh, some looked look like my wedding ring. I thought it was a on, mood ring. I know <laughs> on his like on his right index finger, and I'm like, is that some like new fashion symbol you're trying on, Eric? Like what what you got going on was there, he, buddy? Was he wearing it on his pinky? <laughs> no, it was, on his, it was on his index finger on his right hand. I'm like, what is that? And uh, he goes, "It's my aura ring." I go, "What is an aura ring, buddy?" <laughs> and so they <it>, basically <laughs> tell me more. I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's like it's basically the same thing as the whoop, and it's like something that the Phillies are like making a lot of their not forcing, but you know, actively encouraging right. a lot of their players to wear. Nice because he would be like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning after, let's say, I've had a productive night's sleep. I got my eight hours, whatever they suggest, and. Um, it'll wake. I'll wake up and it'll be like, yeah, you're at ninety four percent recovery. You're on. You're gonna have a great day. And he's like, dude, I did. I would have like, wow, so productive. And there's some days where he's like, maybe I was out a little later. I was doing something. And I wake up and it was, you're at fifty three percent. You're you're gonna hit the struggle bus today, buddy. <laughs> 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 But it's crazy how you can track that stuff. How do we get those on every high school yeah, kid? I know. It would make our jobs a lot easier. It Unbelievable. W- it w- it easier? would. Oh, we talked fantastic. about that right before we started, though. That's that's the data. That's like if yeah. you don't believe that that's going to be in the game and trickle down in like five, six years. Whew,
0: data helps, it's man. Happen. It, it really help. does. Like uh, obviously, we bring Blast on a lot to the show, yeah, yeah. and every time I talk to him, it just makes more sense on like. I have to. I need to use this at some degree. It could be a small amount, or it could be a massive amount. Right. But I can make those adjustments a lot faster for a kid and unlock that potential. And obviously, when you unlock somebody and then they start trusting you more, mm-hmm. that you have that you have that person for life. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they they really come back to you for advice. Um, right. Example: Tommy Woods. He yeah. texted me the other day and he wants to um, come and hit for a little bit and just wants me to see his swing. Yep. Back when I was playing, I didn't go back to my instructor. I just didn't right, because i I was you moved on. At that I point. moved on. Yeah. i was I was at the highest level. I was at the, I was at d one, so those guys those guys have to know, but yeah. now it's getting to a point where you're having yeah. real good expert advice oh, yeah. at the club level, oh yeah, without a doubt. what problem have you saw in the industry that you're trying to trying to solve
2: like currently? because
0: like we mentioned it a little bit, but like you start
2: jumping off the deep end and saying, all right, I
0: got this nice job over here. I'm doing lessons. I'm doing camps.
2: And by the way, can I say something? Adam Adam was one of the biggest names and is one of the biggest names in St. Louis <clears> before you ever started Ace. I mean, I was maybe four or five years into lessons at that point before you started Ace Academy. And I mean, Adam was easily one of the most popular pitching instructors in St. Louis, had a huge name built up. Mm-hmm. So when you made that decision to go do your program, I mean, that's that's a total shift. Oh, yeah. In yeah, what yeah. your... your Business life was like, and then right. obviously, you know what you're trying to do with the industry.
0: Because but, I, I think there's a lot of people out there, especially athletes, like they're afraid to get out of that comfort zone and jump off the deep end doubt. and like say, "All right, I'm gonna go do this thing right now." Like think, think about us we we decided to not go a traditional route where our friends were going a traditional route, mm-hmm. going to corporate 500 jobs or um, doing their thing, but we went to small business. You did the same thing, mm-hmm. small business, and in baseball.
2: Yep. Right.
0: <laughs> like, that's a major risk. And then you add on top of that risk and say, I'm going to start my own business.
1: Without a doubt. I mean, it was, it was tough. I mean, I guess, you know, the, the big thing is when you have a passion, um, you're basically not afraid to fail. Because you have that much confidence that even though it's different, even though it's changed, it's going to be difficult to get the uh, consumer to think a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, private lessons. I mean, again... You're one-on-one with the kid the entire time. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just you and the kid. So on the surface, that looks like that's the best way, and it's still a very good way. Um, so going to uh, small groups, I struggled with. Oh man, is the parent going to think I'm not watching their kid? They're paying <laughs> money for this. Like in a lesson, I'm. I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, they're paying by the minute, by yep. the second. If I'm not on the entire time, will they think it's worth it?
0: I always feel like if I'm not talking, without a doubt, you're you're pretty much like. Why am, I, why am I paying this guy? Right. And that's the
1: biggest thing is uh, whenever we started Ace and, you know, went the uh, small group model, um, it started with just high school kids. Um, it still is mainly high school kids. We got college guys, we got pro guys, but it was just high school from October through February. So I think um, there were three kids that very first year that quit the program after October because we weren't pitching yet. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, it's a pitching program. We can okay. that, talk about that for that, hours, buddy. It's a buddy. pitching program. That,
0: has to, that had to freak you out. You're like, oh, crap. It
1: did kind of freak me out, but I'm thinking, you know what? You know, if we're trying to kind of change the culture and the mindset, we're, you know, we're going to have some kids yeah, that yeah. fall off. and
0: They're not for me. Yeah.
1: They're not for me. I'm not in their face the entire time. But, you know, the more you think about it, you know, we, we do want to teach accountability. Um, I don't know if anybody knows this. I haven't really told anybody this. When I first started Ace, I was in bed, kind of sitting around, um, kind of thinking about like, what do I call this thing? It's, it's got to have some obviously meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, Ace is the top pitcher, uh, but then it, uh, it was also um, an acronym too. Is it was um, accountability creates excellence. Oh no way! So it's cool. What that was was I, I want kids to basically gather the knowledge that we offer information, but it's their thing. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where. You know, we want to teach them the system. That way they know it as well as we do, and they can do it on their own. So we did lose some kids because it wasn't one-on-one. You know, um, we weren't pitching in October, but I was, you know, kept pushing process, process, process. It's a build up to pitch off a mound in roughly Mm mid-January. And I think um, the more talent we had come in, um, hard workers, kids who believed in it, Once they have results, they kind of just snowballed, yeah, 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 so I mean it was, it was very difficult at first, very difficult at first, but again, if you believe in it enough, you'll just stay the course and you know the rest will take care of itself.
0: I feel like the older mm-hmm. age groups are getting there, so like mm-hmm. if you think about it, your program is essentially you're preparing like a college program is mm-hmm. October, right. January, first games in February, right, pretty much the same timeline, right, right youth, I feel like it's starting to trickle down in that area. Mm-hmm. We're just not quite there yet. And it mm-hmm. kind of scares me because you start hearing these kids that are like 13, 14 years old that are already having Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because they're literally not throwing for the full year and they're like, all right, Timmy, let's get up there. It's February. We have, a, jump g- up there we, we have a game in April. Make up for lost time. Yep. <laughs> yes. Right. And when you go up there, throw as hard as you can because oh, yeah. we got to see that fastball. <laughs> and they're throwing
2: more unprepared.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know, because
2: um, if you thats a good statement, by the way. Throwing, right. throwing unprepared—that's right. a really good statement.
1: Right. Or they have the mindset of I'm going to pitch on the weekends. I'm going to rest during the week. Right. Going and it's to not those the, extremes actually will cause more injuries. Right.
0: And would you say you know? it's not the guy that throws hard that we should be scared about? It's the guy that does throw hard and is not prepared when he hops on that mound. Because oh, without a doubt, you're going to be in a situation. They're, they're the ones that probably need it the most, mm-hmm. but don't realize that they need it. And the younger
1: guys are like, oh, I need to get more velocity. And that's what ends up you get those, those players. Right. And, like, you know, some kids throw hard just because they throw hard. They're naturally athletic. They are uh, genetic freaks. But at the same time, um, I think every kid has a built-in motor for power output. Now, we can help increase that. But, like, the problem is, like, you'll see so many kids, who naturally throw hard, but they don't have the hardware, either they're hypermobile or they lack core strength, mm-hmm. flexibility, mobility. It's not, so it's, it's so hard to tell a kid who naturally is doing that, Hey, throw 80% so you don't get hurt hurt. It's like telling a kid not to swing hard or not to run fast, <laughs> you know? So we really want to push, you know, strength training, which is, you know, again, we're not talking about, you know, creating bodybuilders, but right. you know, what each kid needs to maintain uh, mobility, flexibility, Sleep, nutrition, all that stuff comes into play. So those harder throwers who aren't necessarily, in our eyes, built to throw hard, those are the ones that scare me the most. And, you know, you definitely you know, try to get your message across. I think I was kind of telling Tony, who we'll talk to later on, um, I think the most important thing is compliance, is you can tell them what they need. I mean, obviously each kid only has so much time to do this. They have school, they have other sports. So it does kind of scare me when those kids, even though we are teaching them how to move more efficiently, their hardware still doesn't support even, like, very efficient movements. You know?
0: What's, what's your thoughts on multi-sport athletes?
1: I mean, I was a multi-sport athlete all the way through high school. I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as you get older, I think you have to make some of the decisions.
2: Sure. Because that is, that is scary
1: know? to, like, go out
0: and say, like, oh, we, we – we want you to be sports specific because like again, I'm I was multi sport, you were multi sport, Mm -hmm. you were multi sport. Like I love those guys. But it gets to a point where if you wanna make a run at this thing and you wanna do it right, right, you almost have to say, All right, we're gonna do two sports this year and it can't cross can't my, my pitch if I'm gonna be a pitcher, I gotta do my pitching program. Because if I don't don't do my pitching program, I'm I'm SOL. I I could possibly have an injury that hops up.
1: Oh, without a doubt. You know, I think as an athlete, like you, you learn as you get older, Mm -hmm. um, you're always looking back like, Oh, if I would have specialized a little bit earlier, um, I I could have been more prepared or, um,
0: but the training's different. That's the thing. Like I was talking to the doctor that I want to bring on and he was giving me an example of a guy that he had. And he was, he's a football player and a track star. And his hip flexors were just out of whack, just way overboard. Mm-hmm. And he was getting hamstring tears left and right. Right. And he's like, the reason was is because he didn't train. Mm-hmm. All he did was he did sports, which is fine if that's what you want to do. Right. But he's he's a senior in high school. It's like he needs to start thinking about probably around junior year, like we need to be a little bit more specific on this. Mm-hmm. Like we need to, we need to actually train the right way. Without a doubt. So, anyways, um, where, do you, where do you see the pitching industry going? I know we talked a little bit about tech, talked a little bit about Whoop, gave you an introductory right. to the Whoop strap. Right. Where, where do you see the pitching industry going?
1: I mean, I guess the right answer is I don't know. I mean, there's been so much change with all the data, all the metrics. Um, I was kind of thinking about this last night. I, I don't have an answer to that because it seems like we're tracking everything at the moment. You know, uh, we have mounds with force plates. We have the TrackMan. We have the Hawkeye. We have Rep Soto. Um, For all those that are listening, all those different products
0: are very expensive, mm -hmm. um, but they do give really good data points and measurements that you're able to say, all right, this is what you need to do. These are the adjustments that you need to make. But anyways, go ahead.
1: So, you know, something new will come up. I just don't know what that is. It seems like we've almost not covered all of our bases as in we know everything. It's just, I, I I don't know what else you could do to the game where
2: we're tracking things that we're not currently tracking. I just see it this way. I see it's always a trickle down from the major leagues. So, you know, major league pitchers were introduced to, like you said, TrackMan, Hawkeye. They were able to track spin rates, uh, movement patterns, or add so many different metrics on a pitcher. And, five years ago our athletes didn't have any exposure to that right We had exposure to one thing, one thing only it was a radar gun right And so that's the only measurable that we ever got anything on. And now all of a sudden now that well that uh, that type of technology has become more affordable as it becomes more affordable in the forms of like rap Soto or mm-hmm. uh, flight scope or some of the other things that are used at the more amateur levels. Uh, people will adopt it. And then now game adoption into that. So you start using that technology and you're trying, what I've always found is one of the hardest things to do is teach why that technology is useful right? and and educate the player on it. So I'm just kind of thinking, well, what's the next thing? And then how far does that technology go down? Right now it's like, in my opinion, it can be applicable to some of our high school guys, but some of our high school guys are not ready for that information. Without a doubt. You know, like if no offense to if you can't step in the same direction twice, mm-hmm. I'm not even remotely talking rap soto with you. And then, but it's going to trickle down to the youth level. Right. And those types of training programs, that's where I kind of see the pitching whole, you know, the whole evolution going is all this information is going to continue to get passed down. And at some point, you're going to have third through fifth graders on five-month pitching programs throughout the year learning movement patterns. Right. And I don't know if you see it the same way, but...
1: I do see it the same way, and you have to be careful because, I mean, all the data, all the metrics are great um, if you know how to uh, decipher it. So I think the hardest part of our job is knowing who to introduce it to and who not. You know, It's a language. Right, exactly. But you also have kids that are borderline geniuses Oh, yeah. If they dive too deep, they forget they still have to get the guy out in front of them. That, that's 60 feet. I think, six I think inches we away. know one. Is, yeah. that, that's, okay. the hard, that's the hardest thing is, like, it's very valuable. You want them to know it, but you don't want them to fall in love with it. Yeah. Just like you don't want them to fall in love uh, with the old school approach. Maybe, hey, you show up and you throw your gloves out there and you're ready to go. You do a couple of these and you're yeah. ready to go. I mean, you know, there's always that middle ground, but you do. Um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Um, trying to create customized workouts for these guys mm-hmm. knowing what to give them what not to give them because like you said like we have kids that can't step in the same spot yeah. every time or can't locate even a fastball so uh, the hardest part is using it not using it as a crutch
2: but also knowing which kids can handle and like which kids can't well and think about you it know? this way too think about the, the the types of trainers these kids are having access to nowadays right. again 10 years ago where were the best trainers in baseball at the pro level hmm there was like or they
0: were out of the game
2: yeah or the other out and the, but it's, it was mainly at the pro level and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it started to trickle down to college and then you had guys like you know scott brown and guys who just like the best pitching minds <clears> in the world who are at vanderbilt and arkansas and all these guys and then they moved up to pro and it just kept trickling down mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're seeing these academies like what we do with the tigers and what you do with ace and Everything and now those instructors have access to the best information. They understand that game, those processes, and driveline, and everything else. Right, it's gonna keep moving. It's gonna keep expanding down. I I've always gone to the
0: fact that because Major League Baseball, the like Degrom just got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's rehabbing back.
1: Well, he's back now, but yeah, he did something.
0: Do you think that it's gonna get to more injury prevention? How do we? How do we?
2: Like getting away from velocity
0: only. Well, you're never going to get away from velocity because right. that's that's the that's the sexiness. You yeah. you love velocity, right? But everyone loves power. Well, there's no way we're getting away from that. But it seems like there's a lot of injuries. <laughs> is, oh, is it just me or? Is, well, I, I, I don't know the data. So if you're listening to this, hold this conversation with a grain of salt because right. there's no data that I have backing backing up my statements. But just from you have the best pitcher. That is throwing 100 miles per hour consistently. Right. And he's now in the minor leagues trying to get back up on a rehab assignment. That's a little little worrisome.
1: Right. I don't think there will ever be um, um, complete injury prevention. It's a mostly injury reduction. Yeah. But when you're asking your body to push the limits day in and day out, yeah. I mean, of course, velocity is king right now. You know, um, I'd, be, you know I'd be lying if I said – that wasn't true. I, and, again, I, I hate it to a certain point because, you know, you get young kids chasing velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, we think that we train velocity at all ages technically because when you teach a kid how to move more efficiently, mm-hmm. he should throw harder. Or if he's in the weight room doing the right stuff, he should throw harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think injuries are going away. I, I just think, you know, it's almost like the mindset is, I have more horses in the stable. If one guy goes down – that's definitely the way I got way a bunch the, of other guys in the that's stable. That's the college and the pro level
2: for right. sure. I yeah. mean right. that's that you're 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 an asset. Now what kind of an asset are you to the program? That's how they value you, but Right. I mean that definitely is how it is, but
0: It's becoming that hitters are more valuable, yeah. which is kind of weird because yeah. there's there's less great great hitters. Right. And there's now becoming
2: a vast majority of good pitchers. And and I think to go back on something you just said, I want to make sure we hit this point. You said it's it's in it's injury reduction. Right. Because throwing overhead is inherently risky. Mm-hmm. Like there's external rotation, there's internal rotation. They're doing it We're at in the faster injury business rates. to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah, we are. You got biceps, you got elbows, forearms. Well, even even
0: softball. Doctor Aleem yeah. said that. Like that's mm-hmm. the biggest misconception yeah. is that softball is a more yeah. of a natural move. Like everyone says that. I but mean, it's not. It's not true. Like right. yeah, it could be a natural or more natural move than throwing overhand, but you're still right. gonna have injuries. I, I think right.
2: what you're seeing with guys like Adam nowadays is is what he's doing is so valuable because. Everything that he teaches, even before you ever step onto a mound, is injury reduction. So moving efficiently, like he says, building up, you know, your strength in in the different joints and making sure that you're functionally strong Mm -hmm. and that your movement, you know, that your mobility is correct, your flexibility is correct. All of that, it's never going to just say, nope, I can guarantee that you'll be healthy the next two years. Oh, and if you hear that from somebody, run away. Because, I mean... You know, we unfortunately have guys that get
1: hurt, too. It's, it's kind of the business. Um, you just want to make sure that, you know, um, you basically, like, you don't want them getting hurt because of negligence. Correct. You know, we talk pitch counts. We talk adequate rest. We talk about during the week matching up your low, medium, high throwing days. Right. Which, again, it always comes down to compliance. You, I mean, you get that message across. They're the ones who obviously have to do it. And, and it's, it's, just, it's just weird because we have a kid. Um, he's a, a sophomore in high school. Left-hand pitcher, mm-hmm. um, you know, eighty-four miles per hour last August. He touches ninety-three two days ago. And wait, wait, what? Repeat that. Yeah, he went from eighty-three in August. Eighty-three to eighty-five. He touched ninety-three three days ago. How tall is he? Six-four. Six-four. Okay. Um, Did he so he had a little bit of a growth spurt there? Growth spurt. He gained twenty-five pounds of muscle. Um, he's moving a lot better. Well, back in February, he touches ninety-one, and I immediately get on the phone, calls dad. Who I'd never met face to face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Turns out he's in the waiting room. So I walk in the waiting room, I'm like, hey, listen, um, he just hit 91. Um, That wasn't the goal. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to let you guys understand that um, at that age, it does, you know, scare you to a certain point because some kids are just going to do that. Yep. I wanted to push the point across like, that wasn't the goal. We're not pushing this to be 92 next week. I'm just letting you know that. You know, so there's no misconception. <laughs> there's no misconception <laughs> because, like, because like, what, like, what people don't super,
0: understand is like the parents gonna be like super happy and the kids gonna be happy like, oh, I threw 91, and, and Adam's here is like,
2: oh, oh man, crap. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, this is not it, good. Well, <laughs> and
1: that just, is, it's great, but it's not good. I just hope it's a kid and and parents who are somewhat reasonable, and they understand that okay, this is what my kid's doing. Well, now everything is even more important now. Like, you have to check all these things off the list. A, you're not going out trying to throw 91 every time. Um, that's, that, that, that's not the goal with us. Like, it's a byproduct of so many things, putting on 25 pounds of muscle, moving more efficiently, eating better, sleeping better. This kid, I'm telling you, like, I mean, he's got a bright future uh, because he does stuff on his own at the same time. I was having a, a, a conversation with his dad, um, and this is unfortunate because you don't see it very often he still goes out and plays catch with dad. He goes out that's to a awesome. field cool. on his off days that's cool. to play long toss. That's cool. And they're doing it the right way. Yeah. And, and you know, that's something I hope he does
2: forever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you, for, for the people who are listening to this and the parents, what Adam just said in the conversation that he had with that parent, I know this industry pretty well. You are not going to hear that from most people. You're gonna, you're gonna more so have the trainer go out there and go, "Hey, Dad, he just said 91. All the colleges <laughs> in the world are calling him. Let's oh, get people? a pro agent on the phone. Let's get it going. That's what you're going to hear <laughs> almost say, Let's hey, get this <laughs> engine rolling. <laughs> 92 next week. I almost
1: wanted to tell him he hit 91. Okay, let's pitch at 86. Let's just stay there for. But you can't. I mean, you can't tell a right. kid not to throw 100. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's yeah, what he is. Right. Now we have to make sure. He checks everything off. He's, he's, li- I mean, again, all that stuff becomes that much more important because it's happening somewhat organically. I yep. mean, yeah, he's being trained. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like, it's not like
2: velocity at all costs. It's not like, hey, let's do a thousand it's, running guns three times it. a week. That's not what it is. It's hard, it's hard to sell them process at that moment oh. when they can see that they're that much closer to Jacob DeGrom. Oh, it's uh, tough. Let's it's take it's this tough. thing on tour,
0: guys. Right. We're going right. to, we're going right. to hit six cities we in six days.
1: Then you have right. to talk about schedule and, you know, throwing intensity and, you know, throwing frequency. And you just have to make sure that, again, he's not going out there trying to throw 92 the next day or 93. Yep. Like, if it's in there, it's in there. But everything you do becomes that much more important Yep. You know, like off the, the field.
0: I like to quote the great book of Marvel. With great power comes greater responsibility.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, without a doubt.
0: What's the difference between – because this goes on the same line of the conversation – what what's the difference between a player that progresses in your program versus a player that exponentially progresses?
1: Um, work ethic, uh, consistency, uh, compliance, buy in. Um, now, I'm not gonna lie; I do believe in genetics. You know, some kids are natural athletes. You know, some kids will always struggle. You know, I, I always give credits to the kids because you know, again, I mean, it's it's on them. So, definitely, uh, genetics do play a big part. Um. Biggest thing I think is again. Do you think it
0: deals with, sorry to interrupt you, but do you think it deals with being tall? Or do you think it deals with like, leverage helps. Fast twitch muscles. Right. Helps. It helps.
1: Helps. So, like, a 5'11
0: pitcher versus a 6'4 pitcher. I'm taking the 6'4 pitcher over the 5'11 pitcher. Not
1: necessarily. I mean, athleticism plays a part, strength, all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, I mean, like the old um, Manute Bull, he would have been throwing 200 miles per hour because he was, what, seven foot tall? So, it's not that easy. You know, and you know, um, and I I just joke with the kids too, and it's it's not like mass equals gas like you always hear, right? Because sumo wrestlers would be throwing five hundred miles per hour. True. So it's just every kid has different needs. Um, We try our best to give them exactly what they need, but I mean, I think most kids who progress pretty quickly, they uh, trust the process. What?
2: Where do you put cliche? I mean, where do you put like? what type of value do you put on consistency? Because I think that is one of the most undervalued and under talked oh. about assets ever. It's boring. And no one wants to talk about boring. it. Consistency is boring. It's absolutely boring. It's very boring.
0: boring. I'm, I'm starting to sleep while you guys are
1: talking this about consistency. <laughs> <laughs> right it's when true, you right when you said it, I, my eyes start glazing. I'm like, oh it's crap, true. Dave. Way to well, bring this conversation full and that's circle. That's the thing too is I, I pride ourselves on there's no flash. There's no magic potion. There's no flash. Um, consistency is everything. I mean, obviously, knowing when to like call that audible when a kid needs something different. But I mean, like consistency is everything. But it, but it's so tough because people want it now. They want that magic pill. So I've gotten to the point where I used to kind of worry about like losing kids because they weren't
2: seeing results now. Right.
1: But I I get to the point where if we lose them, we never really wanted them. You know. True. And it's not going to be great for culture.
0: You're not for everybody. I. You can't I don't be. worry at all about it
1: anymore because no. I know that if guys stick to the program, um, guys who are consistent, they're going to see results. And that's not just velocity. That's obviously pitchability. And, th- and that's something else, too, is um, – Explain I, a p-
0: explain pitchability for the layman listener on, on this because I actually did not know this until I started hanging out with Dave a lot. Yep. Um, explain pitchability.
1: Having the feel for pitching. I mean, as an overall pitcher, hitting spots, um, knowing when to throw the off speed stuff, knowing how to read hitters, um, command versus control. I mean, it's, it's a lost art, unfortunately, because it is very, very hard to create. I'm not saying you can't create it, but uh, one thing I was talking about, too, is um, I wish there was a way that we could coach these athletes on the field more. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen because obviously, October through February, we're, we're stuck inside. Um, we're not their high school coaches, we're not their select coaches. But actually, you know, trying to help them through the on-field stuff, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, setting up hitters, which again, um, our plan this off-season is to add, add a classroom time. And what that means is probably once every three weeks, um, we'll take time where we all the kids in the classroom. Um, first things first, we'll basically kind of walk them through each phase or each new phase, mm-hmm. but then also pick a topic on like how to set hitters up, you know, um, you know, uh, basically, uh, trying to read hitters' tendencies, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, like some of that stuff, if not all of it, needs to be done on the field. Yeah, you know, and you know, some kids have it because they just have it. Some kids have it because maybe dad was kind of pushing pitchability or uh, mechanics or something like that at a, a very early age. But at the same time, I mean, it's 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 also very very difficult to teach kids pitchability and you know how to throw strikes. I think some kids, unfortunately. For whatever reason, may struggle with that their entire career. You know, it's tough. I mean, so you know, it's it, it almost gets to where you know people think, "Hey, if a kid's not throwing strikes, he's not being taught to throw strikes." It's more than just movements. It's a mentality. It's confidence. Like it's very, very
2: hard to throw strikes if you've never really done it at a young age. Yeah, I think you know? a lot of it's having just been there a bunch of times and doing it over and over and over. I mean, right. uh, we are seeing an influx in training, but then I also feel like sometimes we're seeing a Uh, a reduction in games played nowadays Mm -hmm. and so it's like it's kind of that give and take like you you can't expect a guy to have high pitch ability if they've only thrown 30 innings in the past two years without a doubt you know it's it's just you haven't been there you haven't seen enough situations over and over and over to understand innately within two seconds of what i should do with that next pitch because of the 20 things that i just saw in the last three seconds Mm -hmm. you know it's it's really really hard to expect that out of a young athlete
0: what's your what's your guys' thoughts on like innings counts like counting innings is is that a is that a real thing like you, there's a certain limit and is it based off training or is it based off like your body genetics like well, it, it should be everything i mean, mean I, I mean
1: cuz i mean how, how
0: you know, what should a kid be throwing how many innings a year should a kid be throwing
1: i mean we have i mean i let's just say like there's a, no exact numbers no, a person you know, that trains really one. well a person that goes through aces right academy i always tell kids i mean spring and summer combined Seventy to eighty innings total. Yeah, I now that. again, seventy innings on an untrained arm can be disastrous. Seventy innings on a very well-trained arm would be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I—it's I, I, got to be case by case. Um, obviously, body type, genetics, work ethic, all play a huge role. Age, yeah, everything. age, all that stuff. Arm action, arm action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they're Stress any
2: level of the throwing, just everything out there. I mean, two-way guys. Yeah, I and mean, yep, obviously you sure. Have, you know, it takes Huge. a lot out of you if you're playing
1: shortstop. So, like, you if know. you're hitting
2: that 100-inning mark, you're that's a
0: that's a red flag.
1: I Yeah, I believe so. At the, a, yeah. at the high school and younger level. At the
0: high yeah. school and younger level.
1: Right, and that's one thing, too, is, like, we do have kids in our program who this spring threw up to 60 innings. Yeah. Which is a ton. Now, what they need to do is have that conversation with their summer coach. Hey, I threw 60 innings. Yeah. Maybe I'm good for 10, 20 more, unfortunately. So you do have to kind of be somewhat uh, strategic because you still have a, a summer to play.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you with very special guys, I mean, you you have some guys in your program that have come out. Like and Adam hasn't talked about any of the players that have come out of his program, but he's had some of the biggest names in St. Louis and Christian Little, Victor Quinn, like all these guys that are going on to big SEC, D1 schools. And he has a lot of guys going D2, Juco, like he has great arms. But how many of those guys were physically mature enough to handle that type of load? Right. And not not only keep in mind, yeah, you're throwing the 80 innings in the game, but then all the throwing you're doing outside of there and the bullpens right. and everything, that all plays a count. And you better be incredibly physically mature for at that age to be able to handle that. Because what most of the times we see is those, those uh, middle July – weekend tournaments our pitchers arms are just down Oh right yeah and it's just it's it's time for a break
1: and like you know we'll get phone calls right kids stopping by during the spring why is my velo down well first question is i don't know because i haven't seen you for a while (laughs) well fitz
0: would would say because you're not you're not in the weight room bro that's exactly (laughs) hey i mean mean, why is my velo down yeah because you're not in the weight room (laughs) and that's the
1: biggest thing too is like you have kids unfortunately who work so hard for five months yep once high school baseball starts, it's almost like they think it's going to last forever. If I just kind of, hey, I work for five months, I'm good to go. And unfortunately, um, and I watched the the podcast with the Brian, and it's a lifestyle. Like yeah. Lifting especially, you, you can lift forever. You can lift your entire life. Obviously, you want to be doing certain things at certain times of the year. Throwing the baseball is kind of the same. I mean, you could throw year-round if you're throwing at the right intensity. That's not pitching year-round. That's not throwing 100% every every day um, but I you know I do see kids um, coming in hey my velo's down or hey I can't throw strikes well are you guys throwing bullpens at practice no are you lifting no are you doing all the pre and post throwing protocols we gave you no I'm like and I don't want to you know
0: here's the difference between a pro and an amateur is that a pro knows his body extremely well right The amateur is like a baby giraffe. They think that they can run as fast as they can, but they have all these limbs like going all over the place. They're like, I'm running real fast, but I'm not really. Mm -hmm. They are the baby giraffes, and they think that they know their body, but they have no idea where their elbow is compared to their knee and how to make that adjustment. There's a select few
1: that can do that. But they also don't understand, like, all these kids want to play college baseball. I'm not convinced that some of these kids understand how hard it is, A, to
2: get there, but like beta a stick. It's, it's a I've, lifestyle. I've said that phrase a million times that I've been in a million recruiting meetings with parents and I can tell the players a million times over what it's like at the college level and what your expectation is and, and everything else. And there's no chance they can get it until they get there. Right. They're just never going to understand that experience until they step foot into it. But you right. know,
0: what's great about chasing that goal is that you're creating those habits for something that you have, to do later on down the road because yeah. it is a lifestyle no matter what yeah. you go into, you know, outside of baseball. So if I wanna make a run at a corporate five hundred job yeah. and go to be a CEO, I have to make that my
2: lifestyle. Yeah,
0: without a doubt. Or if I if I want to be the top sales rep in my area, it has to be a lifestyle.
2: You'll they understand the process, the competitiveness, the yeah. everything else to it. And, and th- all it goes back to consistency. It's yeah, not easy. It's yep. just yep.
1: showing up every single day putting the work. And that's why you I know? think like
0: that seven percent click is like if you're that 7%, you know what it takes after the game, which is a very valuable skill that not many people have.
2: Without a doubt. Let me ask you some, ma'am. So, you've you've obviously we I've kind of talked about some of the high-level guys you've had come out. Your right. guys who have played professionally, who are playing professionally, who are playing at the SEC level, your Christian Little's of the world. What what types of things have you seen, like commonalities between those guys that maybe in, maybe like a younger pitcher can take on as like something I'm going to chase?
1: Uh, one thing that I don't see enough of, unfortunately, is um, kids who actually watch the game, who stay, you know, um, your POs who stay for the whole weekend, who can just watch the game, um, guys who watch it on television. But it's not just that, but they, they actually watch it a certain way where they're like dissecting every single play why this kid threw this pitch because um, all those kids will train for the most part i think what sets those guys apart is just a knowledge of how to pitch and it's more about watching the game because um, they can come to us and they can learn how to move um you know how to throw a breaking ball this and that but i think what's lost these days is there are so many more distractions for kids mm-hmm. um, you always hear baseball's boring well You know, not to every kid we train. Some kids love it. So I I think most of those guys who climb the ranks quicker, I mean, you know, they know the game inside and out. They have set goals they want to accomplish, but they know the ins and outs of the game.
0: It's the ability to to observe, right? Without a doubt. Um, Without a doubt. Like social media has helped businesses and small businesses. It's helped us. Obviously, we Mm -hmm. get ideas off of big big name people Mm -hmm. and we probably wouldn't have had that 20 years ago Yeah, but baseball which I think is really interesting is that that is like YouTube you can literally watch the game and literally the major league players are communicating to you on this is how you actually play the game without a doubt like Wayno kept on crushing the outside corners um and the previous game had a couple couple sliders and was able to get that umpire to move his zone even further out from the actual plate mm-hmm, right how many how many young guys are able to see that and be like oh that's why he's doing that that's why he's crafting yeah. those pitches
2: they just think the umpire's bad <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, yeah that, okay, that that's
0: sucks. like the first, man that guy sucked <laughs> <laughs> dad go yell at him <laughs> <laughs> that's the
1: thing too is i you know i always push these guys to learn from each other you know um If you stay the extra game and not go home, if you kind of sit there and watch, you can also talk to, you know, pitchers, talk to hitters, hitters talk to pitchers about what they're looking for. But I think, you know, as much as they learn from us coaches, they learn more from each other. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's always, you know, you grew up and you're always used to listening to mom or dad or teachers. Uh, If you can talk amongst yourself, I think at times those are the best teaching moments, without a doubt, those guys who just sit and talk baseball, you know.
0: What's your recommendation for a dad or a mom that, because um, it seems like every kid pitches when they first start out, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what's your recommendations on, like, parents and helping their player become pitchers? Like, how and, they should progress? Yeah, how how they should progress. And the, and the, and the first thing is um 7U through 9U. Right. And I, th- I think that's probably the most important age. I get that question a lot. And I'm like, hey, I'm not a pitcher. Don't talk to me. Talk to Dave. He's in yeah. cage twelve. <laughs> <laughs> go go yeah. talk to him. I can tell you how to hit, but I mean, from a pitching standpoint, literally when I when I started, I just threw. That's all I did, and that's not good advice.
1: Right. I mean, I I, I think starting off at the like seven u nine u, it's a lot of basic stuff: how to stand, how to step and throw, how to hold the ball. Yeah. Um, so just playing catch. Just playing catch, and then and being I, able to hit
0: corners, like just
1: like little spots. You can try, yeah. but I mean, like they always, you know. It, it, it actually works with my son. He's five years old, and I you know, find myself, and I, I saw it somewhere else. I mean, if you tell him, you give him a certain amount of instructions not to overwhelm him, throw hard, swing hard. Yep. Put him in the right position, in the right stance. And just have fun with it. Just have fun with it because I think sometimes, you know. goes back to coach ballgame. Us mm-hmm. as parents, we try to overcoach it, mm-hmm. overteach it, and now the kids aren't having fun. I mean, I have my son now asking me to go play catch and go hit because you have to know your audience. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like you want those kids to learn as much as they can while also having fun, knowing that they're seven years old. You're not going to see a lot of strikes. It's just, you know, it's 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 you know, so cliche. It's the process over results. Process, process, process.
0: How, how do you feel about, like, parents that, like, well, I've never played baseball. Should I just give them lessons, like, and just have paid pay premium price and have them do lessons?
1: Oh, man, that's a loaded question.
0: Um, I, I know. Like, I – again, because, like, for me – Obviously, that that's nice because then I get paid and I right. have a job and everything like that. But right. at the same time, like, man, you're 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 his dad or you're his mom. Let's gar- let's grab a glove and just go out there and play catch.
1: As a parent, I mean, I think you have to research, you know, and basically try your best to show up and go to the park. And even if it's him throwing to a fence and not you, just you know, like always trying to be there, you know, yeah. uh, pushing him. And then obviously you sprinkling the lessons and the yeah. camps and that kind of stuff. I, mm-hmm. I just don't.
0: Camps are a big thing. That's I, yeah. I, I feel like camps are a huge thing. That's why I like the coach ball game interview mm-hmm. because he literally, he was teaching, but it wasn't like do it this way or exactly. it's, it's over. Your career is done. Let's close up shop. You're not going to play. Right. I, I I feel like just getting out there and having fun with it, being goofy. Oh, camaraderie! Teaching, yeah, teamwork, all that stuff. Playing like little mini games, like oh, I bet you can't hit this, or right. I bet you can't throw it this far, like that type of stuff. Right,
1: right. And I think on the topic of um, you know, what parents should be doing, as I I'm big on parents understanding that it's their kids' activity, and it's not theirs. You know, I think sometimes they think a kid's a uh, poor performance might reflect poorly on them. It's the kids thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm big on telling parents and kids, like, you know, show up to the game with a jug of water or a Gatorade. Don't, don't have your parents walk over and give you a Gatorade. <laughs> parents, try your best not to coach. Just I let brought the, a fruit bar. Everyone come by.
0: I brought, I brought strawberries, grapes, watermelon. <laughs> right.
1: I just can't stress enough. Parents trying to let the coaches coach as much as mm-hmm. they can you know, even if you have a vast mm. background in baseball, just try to, you know, understand it's your kid's activity. Let their coach do the coaching during yeah. the game. Don't, I mean, again, yeah. I mean, like the whole thing that just drives me crazy.
2: We all hear it. Throw strikes, throw strikes. Yeah. I think, I think the best thing that the best piece of advice we've ever given parents is that just, just be the ultimate support system. For Without your a child. doubt. And just like, so your question was, so should they do lessons or should they seek advice or should they just go out to the backyard and throw for the first five years of their career? Well, maybe a little bit of all of it. Yeah, right? I think, it, I think it's like, all about it. And like seek, you know, if you don't understand that topic, we'll go seek out an expert's advice in it. Go try and go try and talk to someone. It doesn't mean that you have to initially sign up for uh, 24 pack of lessons and come right. every week and, and just go all in on it. Oh, yeah. No, just go find a little piece of information and go run with it and oh. then see how your child adjusts to it. And I if they're love. wanting more... Get them. Well, and being
0: creative, like yeah. um, just coming up with some crazy stuff that will get them engaged with it. Yeah. Right. That's super important. Well, I
2: used
1: to love teaching the kids who parents would actually sit there and like, listen. Yeah. Parents yeah. had no idea what to teach them. They, they knew it. They weren't trying to pretend. But they would sit there and like, listen, and like ask questions. Yeah. Those are the customers I wanted to work with the most because 100%. you knew that there was a really good chance that they would take the information that I'm giving them and oh, use it back home because now next time he comes in, hey, we're going to hit these certain points again, but we can move on. Yeah,
0: It's you almost know. like for lessons, it's the parent that gets the most information out of it. Without a doubt, yeah. It's, I love it when, the, when like example, like they, they literally just sit there oh. and, they, and they listen, and, and they're really just trying to figure it out. They're, they're not being overbearing to where... They want to make the correction, like, oh, make sure you stand this way, make sure you move your foot this way. Oh, your back leg is
1: all jacked up. Like it wasn't
0: that, just being able to gather information and then being able to put it in a fun way for their kid to understand.
1: Oh, and like back when I was doing lessons, and I get it. Like I mean, sometimes uh, times of the essence, you know, times of the essence, and you have to drop them off and go run some errands. Yeah. But the kids that got the most out of it were the ones that mom or dad sat there and listened to every word you said. They asked questions. Yep. They weren't overbearing those kids got better. Yep. you know.
0: I also think that has to deal with the instructor too because if the instructor is interesting, then the parent will sit and listen to the instructor. Without a doubt. Whenever the instructor is a little bit boring or they're not on the top of their game, that's where I feel like you lose the parent overall.
2: Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. Is there a time period where you see maybe a shift in the level of seriousness that an athlete should take? Like is it like – for example, is it is it middle school ages, or where, where do you kind of see that, especially on the pitching side?
1: I'm starting to see it like seventh, eighth grade. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: if I had my choice, I guess, the, you know, the multi-sport athletes, maybe around sophomore year of high school, they have to start making some uh, choices. Mm-hmm. Um, not to strictly go to one sport, but they have to kind of sit down and figure out how to manage their time. Priorities. Priorities. You know, make a list. Yeah. Sit down, make a list. Like, what can I do? What You know, what, what can't I do? And, you know, I mean – I think every kid's different, you know. I wouldn't want my son to specialize. I mean, again, sophomore, junior year, um, but it would also be that much harder to, to fit everything in, mm-hmm. you know. Because I mean, I mean, time management's huge on these kids. Because you know, it's very future, difficult. Oh, very difficult. Because in the future, they're going to have to figure out, you know, what to make time for.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know yeah. how my my cousin does it. She is the she just accepted a job um, to be a principal of a new school. She has two kids. Her Husband is does a franchising, not a franchise. And I don't think they're franchise, I think it's corporate, but they, he has he runs multiple stores, um, Italian food. So, like, I'm thinking to myself, how do you manage all that? You like, just ex- make it work, expeci- again, make especially especially for like the kids because like the kids are all over, they're running all over the place. Like, how do you manage that? Like, Crackmire, another, yeah. another, like, just, that dude is phenomenal. Just like, make it work. <laughs> him and his wife are just very good yeah. at what they do and how to time manage their the, their schedules plus the kids' schedules. Yeah. It's just very impressive. I
2: think you just right. look at it at the point you don't have a choice not to. Yeah. So right. kudos you, kudos you, you to you, you to if
0: you're a parent it. listening yeah. to this and you have a crazy schedule because yeah. um, it's tough. It, it is tough. Obviously, you have kids. We don't. But yeah, and
1: you know someday uh, they'll play sports and practices are in the evening, so I got to make some de- <laughs> you, you know decisions because. You know the bulk of our hours are three o'clock until nine or ten, so that's you know it's going to be tough. Um, tough. Where
2: um where do you see Ace going in the next couple of years? Like where do you see you know do you, where do you see the program expanding? Um well, well it's actually grown very very
1: quickly. Um, I wasn't uh truly ready for it when it happened. I mean it's it's a good problem to have. Um I think someday probably moving into our. You know own facility uh, more space obviously uh, teaming up with like organizations or have little uh, satellite mm-hmm. uh, facilities where we can kind of help teams run their programs or you know c- you know kind of help uh, facilitate that um, yeah I mean I wouldn't mind uh, someday um, adding some some uh, hitting development into it too mm-hmm. I wouldn't be teaching that because I don't know much about hitting but I think that'd dip be drive and accelerate <laughs> <laughs> pivot pivot <laughs> So, you know, I think that's the next step. Yeah. Um, also building our, our youth program. Yeah. I mean, right now it's been I mean strictly high school, college pro, um, finding time and space to actually implement some kind of a, a youth program that somewhat mimics what the high school kids are doing. Obviously, I uh, know that, you know, with the youth program, you know, kids can probably only come once a week. Yeah. You know, uh, high school kids drive, so they can come two or three times a week. But, you know, basing a
2: program off of what we do with the high school kids, but obviously make it age appropriate. What I am what I am so excited about and something that we talk about all the time on this podcast is the one, the experiences that younger athletes are able to get nowadays is outrageous. Right. Where they play, how they train, the, the memories, education, you create are crazy. Information, the memories, just it's a I mean, Going back and Adam, you're older than I am, but going back when I was thinking of my youth experience, it's, I mean, it it seems like the Stone Ages. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, not that I had a great youth experience, but you know, I was, I went to my local association, I got drafted to play on the Kirkwood Cardinals, and (laughs) that's that's where I played my (laughs) 20 games, and I had a great time. (laughs) We had one season-ending tournament, and great job. No travel tournaments or nothing. It's it's a totally different, and, and I'm not that old. It wasn't that long ago, right? But so to me, what gets me excited is the information the younger kids are going to be able to get, the training programs that they're going to have access to like yours, right. the overall experience of what can, can basically be given to them um, that's available. It's its going to be really, really cool to see. Right. Oh, definitely.
0: Uh, just let everyone know that um, we have partnered with Adam and, um, here in St. Louis for our St. Louis club. Um, but I do recommend if you want to reach out to, to him, um, and get a little bit more information and a little bit more advice, maybe in consulting. Um, I'm sure that he would appreciate that as well. Um, Adam, go ahead and give him your contact information, best way to reach you. Um, also give him your Instagram handle. Cause I do love your Instagram handle.
1: So for right now, um, we are in the process of creating a, a website and, uh, a company email uh right now it's my own it's um a jansen 51 at gmail which is a j a h n s e n five one at gmail and then the instagram handle which surprising i don't know off the top of my head <laughs> hey um, I, you, I,
0: you'd be surprised like <laughs> oh, a, lot, a lot a lot of people struggle with that they're like uh, oh, i always just create it i just want to post stuff oh, yeah. like you know it's so,
2: no um
1: ace baseball development is our um, instagram handle
2: Make sure to go follow that because there is some incredible <clears throat> pitching content on there. Some of the best athletes that I've seen in the St. Louis area are coming through his program. And it's it's really, if you're a young pitcher or even getting to that point where you're getting serious, it's a great follow. And Appreciate we will be uh,
0: bringing on um, his partner in crime, Tony Katakis, um, chiropractor, doctor. Right. right. Doctor. Right. Yeah. Doctor. Um, and we're going to go a little bit more deep dive on this, and I'll be on the Tiger interview series. So if you have not subscribed to that podcast, please go over, subscribe to the Tiger interview series. You can also catch all of these video podcasts on YouTube. We have the Closing Pitch YouTube channel um, where you can see Dave's pretty face. If you want to hop over to the um, Rawlings Tigers YouTube channel, that's where we put the Tiger interview series, and you can see my pretty face plus Tim Jones and a number of other um, directors that are interviewing um, great people, expert advice. So um, go ahead and head over there and subscribe there. Um, but I think this is where we're going to end this show. No closing pitch? Oh, closing pitches. Yeah. Adam's not new that. I forgot about that pitch. with Coach Paul.
2: Dima. I know you did. Man, awkward. I almost let you go two in a row. Do you know what we do at the end of this, Adam? I do not. So, <laughs> nice little surprise. So one, so obviously that's the name of the podcast, but we do give a closing pitch, like a recap from each of us as to what – what kind of we talked about and what the big takeaway. Uh, yeah, the big takeaway from our the big takeaway. Yeah. So I'll kind of start with this, and I've known Adam for a long time. Well, what was it been? Ever since I started back in 2010, because yeah. you've been starts. best friends with Hacker, Hacker and Jaws, and I was I've had numerous hundreds of conversations with Adam, and I love what he's doing, and I hope that a lot of young athletes take note of this in terms of the detail-orientedness that his program brings to the individual pitcher Um, and i think that just the information the care the overall drive to help pitchers of all ages is what adam's program brings to the table so i hope you guys check him out i hope you give him a, a look up a listen a follow ask him some questions shoot him a dm i'm sure he'll respond appreciate it
1: what's your closing pitch
2: closing pitch
1: um do you want me to go? Then you can go? Why don't you go first? Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. How about you go? I want to hear yours first. Uh, Shandy's brother does that all the time. Like when you want his always, advice. And always, then he goes, yeah. well, what do you think first? <laughs> um, my my big thing is uh, I, I heard this quote. I forgot who it's from. I'll have to go back into um, my notes. But the heading into the new, like when you when you're first starting out, reading and learning gave you advancement, right? But right now it's, can you learn? Then can you unlearn? And then relearn? That's really where you're going to find the advancement and going in baseball and going from old school to new school. It seems like a lot of, a lot of people are saying, well, it's just baseball. Let's just go play. Right. Right now it's, can you learn and then unlearn and then relearn And that's how you're going to advance your career. So from this conversation, I've learned a lot um, on pitching. And I'm not a pitching guy. And how to actually, because I'm very intrigued on can you prevent injuries? Can you increase velocity? Can you get uh, best of both worlds? And from the conclusion, I'm still not there yet. And it seems like with all this data that we're getting, it's nice to have but from your point of view, it's we need to know how to distribute that data correctly so that the kid doesn't go fully deep and then he's just not trying to get somebody out, right? Right. So big thing for me is being able to learn, unlearn, and then relearn, being willing to have that vulnerability.
1: Right. I guess my um, uh, my thing is to make sure that the parents and kids understand it as a process. Um, I know it's cliche, but it, it's basically knowing – what to add at the right time, you know, when VLO becomes more important. Um, you know, what my seven-year-old should be doing as opposed to my 16-year-old. Um, knowing that this game is very, very hard, uh, throwing a baseball is very, very difficult. Um, you know, consistency to me is the biggest thing, buy-in, compliance. Uh, but actually, you know, most importantly, I think finding the so-called experts, you know, uh, people that you trust in, ask those questions. Um, basically learn as much as you can that way you try to do your best to do it the right way and you don't rush it like there's no magic pill there's no magic formula consistency um, the right amount of volume and intensity at the right time is huge you know but this definitely takes time as it should take time i mean if you can uh, slow cook it per se you've got a much better chance of making it the next level Mm. awesome awesome
0: Appreciate it, guys, for you listening. Um, Hit us up on Twitter um, and tell us what you think of this episode or send us an email. My email is spiker at rawlingstigers.com. Dave's is dburkby at rawlingstigers.com. We love getting the feedback. If you're here in St. Louis and you're in our our facility at Rawlings Training Center or at Balls and Strikes, um, stop us if you see us walking around. Um, If we have this focused look, it just means that we're moving on to the next thing go ahead and grab our, grab us, push us into the wall or something, get our attention. um, and let us know what you think. So until next time, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for watching or listening or both to The Closing Pitch. If you'd like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor where you can submit your statement or question via audio or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK if you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice, five star preferably, and we value your opinion, and this allows us to reach more people. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.